When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. A lot of news bubbling around. West Coast have delisted on top of Tom Joyce, which we told you about here on Sports Day last week. Jackson Nelson and Hugh Dixon. Macedonia Park has been confirmed as the new temporary home for the Perth Glory A-League men's season. We've got the Wacker AGM tonight and Christina Matthews is going to be put under the microscope, I believe, by the members. We'll wonder what will emanate there. Peter German is the new coach of the Perth Football Club in the WAFLW East. Perth have confirmed that they will take the eighth league side into next season. So looking forward to seeing all of that unfold. But of course, so the big news this morning was around Hawthorne, who commissioned earlier this year a external review into claims of racism at the club. The external review document was given to Hawthorne hierarchy and the AFL's integrity unit a fortnight ago. Mark Reddings, it just astounds me as to why it's only come out today. Good evening, Carl. Yes, grand final week. We're Wednesday night. We should be talking positivity about the two best teams in the competition, but it's been derailed by this story, which has come out uh, at a time which obviously is going to cause a lot of pain for a lot of people, not the least of which uh, Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan, who have stepped away from their respective coaching roles. Uh, not so much the timing I'm concerned about, but the the content. That is what obviously needs to be addressed. And if those allegations are true, it is certainly um, going to be a really difficult period for those that are found guilty, if that's the case. Having said that, let me put it out there straight away that Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson have both uh, put out statements of sorts suggesting and saying that they, and Alistair Clarkson, very strong that he hasn't been through a process, unaware of the allegations until they were come to pass in the past 24 hours. He is adamant that he's not guilty of anything that's been thrown at him. So, look, if they are both implicated and found guilty, I can't see there's a way that they'll coach again, Carl. But, of course, these are just allegations at this stage. Either way, it's an ugly, it's a messy position, the AFL, and Hawthorne finds itself in grand final week. Yeah, uh, just my Wednesday wine, though. Imagine the best damn breaker distributors of the world's best rock breakers. So why wouldn't have this action been taken if the AFL have been sitting on it for the last couple of weeks and the Hawthorne Football Club, for that matter? Why wouldn't have this been revealed a couple of weeks ago or at least some action been taken? If this is the first time that Alistair Clarkson's essentially found out about it and it's been leaked to the media uh, and part of what uh, he has said, Alistair Clarkson, in his statement that he was not afforded any due process, he refutes any allegation of wrongdoing or misconduct and look forward to the opportunity to be heard as part of the AFL external investigation. Why Why has it taken two weeks if this report was handed a couple of weeks ago? Have they still been analysing it? You would have thought not. No, but Alistair Clarkson, you have to take him at his word, and so too Chris Fager. Look, I find it hard to believe that those types of, of footy luminaries would be 
a part of, of these allegations. That It's still hard for me to comprehend that that is the case. Now, obviously, there'll be an inquiry, the AFL, and how long that takes will also determine when and if Fagan and Clarkson can resume their respective coaching duties because while this is still uh, being sorted through, I don't think this will be a short-term investigation, Carl. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of digging, a lot of evidence required because we're talking about people's A, careers, their reputations, and if they are guilty, obviously that is a huge story. If they are found innocent, the damage that has been done to people is going to be significant. Yeah, well, the the allegations, uh, if true, are, are horrific in some cases. Mm. Uh, thanks to the Dardanut Butchering Company, taste of Dardanut Valley Spring Lamb. Look, there's uh, one man who's the great of the Hawthorne Football Club. His name is Luke Hodge. He spoke to SEN Radio earlier today. Oh, it was it was a tough read. There's there's no doubt. I think anyone who who goes through that, yeah, it's it's a, it's uncomfortable to to go through and read. Uh, and your, your first thought go to the players that went through it, the partners and the families that they went through because it doesn't matter what your job is. Um, it's always family first and that's the the first people that you look after. Um, so to, to go through and read that um, and the, the what's been alleged is it's it's very uncomfortable. And, and you, you sort of – you want to put yourself well, – you, you can't put yourself in the position of those players and their families and what they've been through and what they've told – um, by by people who they're supposed to look up to, it's it's an uncomfortable position for for them to go through, and, and you and you feel for them because it's 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 a shock to the system. Because reading some of the the things that were alleged in that, it's it's shocking, terrible. Um, but yeah, you sort of you sit back and, and does it dampen the? Well, what we went through as a group, um, we had a lot of successful years, but at this stage, that's irrelevant because of what young blokes were told or what they'll put through um it's such when you when you get drafted to a football club it's supposed to be an exciting time of your life it's supposed to be hey, my life's changed now i've got a pathway for the next 10 15 years hopefully um that's not what happened with with these young kids so that was Luke Hodge uh, on SEN Radio earlier today, one double three eight eighty two. If you would like to join in, just rolling through the news headlines for Polaris, Polaris Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Uh, Gil McLaughlin had this to say. There are so many people who are hurting today and have been hurting for a long time. And to all of them, I want to acknowledge that hurt. And so that is a game. We will do everything to ensure that the hurt you experienced is not a hurt that is experienced by others. And the AFL Players Association, uh, they sent out a member update today to all of their members, which obviously I'm one of those members. Uh, the association is extremely concerned about the details of the report relating to player and partner experiences while at uh, the Hawthorne Football Club. The players representative, the head of the players' representatives uh, is Patrick Dangerfield, and he had this to say. First of all, you just think of the people, and that's quite clearly the priority uh, of, of those involved and the welfare uh, of the people involved um, and making sure that they're supported. I think the, you know, what adds to this around, you know, the support that we give as a PA is that it is confidential in nature. So, um, you know, that's the whole purpose of it being um, something that, that players can go to and feel comfortable that it doesn't leave that room and that conversation and that, 10 seconds. Whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, it's certainly uh, really disturbing to see and to read. And uh, I feel for 
for the players and people involved. Skeet, these are serious allegations. Um, and look, we've heard from Gil McLaughlin there and Patrick Dangerfield, uh, the players and the people involved. We actually don't know the players and the people that have actually made the allegations because at this point uh, we've only heard those that have been accused rather than those that have made the allegations. Yeah, protecting the identity of those people uh, is important, but in many ways I suppose there's there's a fear if, if they are revealed, their identities, that their safety, their well-being from heaven knows who will, will come under under threat. But, yeah, it does beg the question of the, that those that are being accused of being revealed. And, again, if what is alleged to have been done is is correct, and you can only, as as backing up what Gillen said and Paddy and, and obviously Hodgie, that the players, you, you can't but feel extremely sorry for them and they've gone through uh, these experiences and talks of, of suicide thoughts and suicidal thoughts. Yeah, it's it's a horrible story and one that it, it just it beggars belief that we're talking about this. Given the education that has happened with Indigenous footballers in our in our society, but also particularly in football, been a lot of work done, Cal. But we're still and, and this is not this is a separate incident, but we see constantly social media the the, the trolls going after. Uh, footballers, yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. If if that happened, then then we are in a pretty poor place. Yeah, and look, I, I just wonder whether it actually extends beyond just uh, Indigenous and Aboriginal players, and and as to whether this could be a broader allegation, and uh, whether it extends to to others. One double three eight eighty two is the number. If you'd like to join in, you can. Uh, it is sixteen after six here on Sports Day. We've got plenty of great guests coming your way tonight. In fact, we are going to rem- reminisce with uh, Cameron Mooney. Uh, Geelong great, and of course Mitch Norton, who played in the last Sydney Swans <laughs> Premiership. What are you giggling at? I thought you said Mitch Norton. Did I? I <laughs> Mitch Morton? Maybe I did. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, Either way, they're both good I players. Did. Mitch Norton, yeah, he de plays for the Wildcats, but Mitch Morton is the bloke uh, we are going to have a yak to. He played back for the Sydney Swans in 2012. But one double three eight eighty two. If you'd like to join in, uh, if you've got something to add, if you've got a, a Wednesday wine, you can do that straight after this. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Join in Wednesday Wine Night. Imagine the best DM Breaker distributors of the world's best rock breakers, dmbreaker.com.au. G Cam Green was good last night, opening the batting for the first time for our country in any form of the game. Let's hope we see a little bit more of that. Uh, Barat Sandarason to talk about that a little bit later on tonight. And um, the other news is the AFL umpires have been announced. So Matt Stevick will umpire his ninth straight grand final. He'll be on with Millsy in the afternoon show tomorrow. But hopefully we will have Brendan Hosking, who's going to be umpiring in his very first grand final skate. Talk about, a, talk about a contrast between a bloke umpiring his 10th uh, grand final. Uh, what do you say, 10th grand final in a row? No, he's ninth, ninth in grand, a row. But he's 10th in total, tenth sorry. In total. And, and Simon Meredith will do his 8th, 3rd in a row as yeah, well. so a lot of experience there. And then a, a debutante slips in at uh, number three. No, Brett Rosebury, unfortunately, from a WA perspective. But uh, certainly uh, those umpires have done a fantastic job and we won't notice them, I'm sure, on uh, Saturday afternoon. All right, let's get back to the hot topics. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Thanks to the Darna Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb, available at WA's best restaurants, hotels and cafes. To Wongan Hills we go on Dylan. G'day, Dylan. G'day, boys. How are you? Good. Yeah, just um, first off, uh, on the Hawthorne thing, I, I don't know um, if it's, you know, what you guys thought, but does this, do you think, date back to the, the Dale Garlett issues that happened 
plus they need to go, or what do you think is fresher than that? To be honest, mate, no, no I've got no idea. We've we've not, and I'm not going to speculate because I honestly, Dylan, don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. It's just um, it just popped up in my memory. That's all. But on regards to a Wednesday wine, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if it hasn't been discussed much, I'm not sure. But there's got to be a better system to to allocate compensation for for clubs performing poorly. Surely, I mean. I don't know how you can argue that one of West Coast or North Melbourne were more deserving of compensation this year. I personally would like to see it just not happen at all, but, yeah, keen to see your thoughts on that. I'm not huge on having compensation picks. I agree with you, Dylan. Um, Certainly the West Coast Eagles, they've had one bad year, so that was never going to be asked or given. As for North Melbourne, I mean, they've still been getting... I mean, the last couple of years they've had... Is it just poor poor selections at the draft that have led to this position has to be some ownership from the club's perspective because they've got every opportunity, as every other club does, to to get a list that's competitive. Well, well to me, it it really dates back to, it was probably only five years ago, where they decided to just clean out the cupboard and that was where they got rid of Ferrito and they got rid of Harvey and they got rid of all of their experienced players and they decided to, to then... That's fair um, enough. Well, they decided to then bring in some players like Pollock and, and others that really didn't live up to anywhere near uh, the expectation. Um, and then the development of the younger players had been something to be desired. So it all gets thrown into the melting pot. Like we're seeing Davies Uniac probably play right now. He's very best football. I think Taron Thomas until midway through the season was probably playing the best football that he's played. Um, certainly Cameron Zerhars decided to stick as as played, I think, one of the best seasons that he's played. Now, these guys are all sort of in their mid-20s now, but when they were younger men, they really just weren't able. I just don't think that they had an experienced enough core to actually get them to where they wanted to go, Skeet, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but also, I mean, you think of guys like, I think Will Phillips was taken quite high or quite prominently in the draft. Um They've had their chances. I mean, they had the top top pick last last year. Taylor Turner. I mean, there's plenty of guys there that were taken as early picks, and there's a couple that aren't even there anymore that were taken as early draft picks. So, look, list management has been poor. Player development has been poor. Um, and that is a massive contributing factor to a club that – more recently, has done very, very well off the field. Um, they've got, uh, I think, themselves in the best financial position that they've ever been in in the club's history right now. Let's go to Kieran in Melville. G'day, Kieran. Gents, how are we going? Big story, probably the biggest since uh, the drug scandal for yep. Essendon. But um, just interested, am I correct? And um, the AFL's been sitting on this report for two weeks. Mm. Is that right? Mm. Well, that's what that's what we so, read, Yes. So was this inquiry going to happen because it's become public through the ABC or it was always going to happen? Because um, I just noticed some of the words Gil used. It just seems like it's another chapter of the Boys Club book. You know, like he was asked by Jenna, well, have you spoken to Alistair and, and Chris? And he said, oh, not today was the phrase he used. Which, mm. You know, that implies to me well, what he's been talking to them about this over the last two weeks or you know, what information have they been sort of shuffling behind, you know, so it's behind closed doors, you know, is it another one uh, where we're going to see down the track? Oh, in fact, similar to the drug scandal, you know, oh, there's text between Essendon and Demetrio or, you know, is that got this sort of capability behind it? I just want to know, interested Scoot. to know where you guys went. I know we don't know much info, but 
I just thought it was interesting some of the phrases that we use today and how it sort of come out. Kieran, just uh, before um, Skeet makes comment around what the questions that you've asked, do, do you feel that the AFL have sat on this because of the Queen's passing at all? Do you think that there's anything that we could no, draw into no, that? I or don't know. In fact, I, I think that the Queen's passing may have been why this was leaked by a journalist or somebody who's who's decided to, to put this out in the realms now as opposed to five or six days ago. I think the AFL would have loved this to have been well, not happen to start with, but also if it was to come out, happen after the grand final. Uh, why would you want the timing for the AFL? That this is the worst week well, possible to have well, it come well, out. Well, if they if they got the report a couple of weeks ago, couldn't have they um, maybe made some comment then? But maybe look, they hadn't had a, a chance to go through a process and investigate the allegations. Uh, look, they've sought further details from those who have shared their experiences, so they haven't uh, actually got to that point yet to progress their investigation. So this may well be. Um, the catalyst to expedite the process because, mate, they're going to have to do it fairly swiftly here to make a decision around um, some futures of individuals in the game. Yeah, but what happens if, for instance, just throwing two names at the Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan mm. vigorously, strongly deny the allegations and, and the player or players uh, stand by their version of events, how do you come to a conclusion unless there's a third party or a fourth party that is in the room that can can verify or or dismiss. I mean, is it possible that there may not be a conclusive result to this investigation? Well, I can see um, that there would be a, a lengthy court battle. That's mm. what I can see because uh, if the allegations aren't true, then you're well, unproven, not, unproven. Well, well, as well, unproven. That's right. You you're certainly going to want to clear your name if uh, you are someone who has been uh, already you would say, drag through the mud. Mm. Let's face it. Where's the old sort of like innocent until proven guilty gone these yeah. days? I agree. But I do also, I thought of this this afternoon, I thought this is the biggest story in a, a club land situation since Essendon and the drug supplement saga. And maybe even bigger because, yeah, maybe even even bigger if, if, if these allegations are proven true. But that's that's still a, a little while before that is confirmed or, or otherwise. Let's go to Sean and Hillary's. Uh, join in, one double three eight eighty two if you'd like to have your say tonight. Uh, g'day, Sean. Sorry, guys, one moment. Um, I'm just going to put you on. Can you, you can hear me correctly? Yep. I'm in ha- uh, using hands-free. Yes, Sean, gotcha. Um, guys, I just want to um, just reiterate uh, Carl's comments. I'm really disappointed in how this has been handled. I've worked in the law enforcement industry for 10 years, and there's always supposed to be a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And I find that the comments that Gillian McLaughlin has made, basically he's insinuating that these people are guilty of the crime before the investigation is actually being conducted. And now this happens a lot with anything to do with racism allegations. And I, I remember Cyril Rioli made comments about Hawthorne. Even back then, Michael Long came out and he said that they were baseless. I know we had the Heretia Lumumba issues with Collingwood. Travis Barco came out and said that he didn't see anything happen. And I'm not saying that uh, these guys are wrong in their, in their accusations, but it just feels like any time someone makes an accusation of racism, we straight away jump into the conclusion that they must be believed, that the people are guilty, and it's trial by media, and it's trial by social media, and I just find these things can ruin people's careers, and why should anyone have to stand down from their position as a coach before they have any investigation into the whole incident? I think it's really, really poor form from the AFL for handling it that way. Sean, sure, I've got no issue with both Clarkson and Fagan stepping aside while this investigation takes place. But I, I, I do agree with you, and we, we've said this from the very outset. In fact, most 
people have said the same thing. These are allegations, and we need to hear both sides of the story. That that is a, is something, and and we've also prefaced what we're saying by if they are true, then this is these are horrendous allegations and hard to believe. But if they are true, then the guilty parties deserve significant punishment and possibly never to be seen again in AFL circles. Well, Sean, the the other point that we need to make is that Andrew Newbold, who's an AFL commissioner, uh, he has taken a leave of absence from the AFL to assist in the independent investigation uh, as he was working at the Hawthorne Football Club as president from 2012 through until February 2016. And I quote, I want to also acknowledge that this is a really distressing day for the people who have shared their experience. Uh, that uh, is some of uh, what was said today from an AFL commission perspective as well. Absolutely. Huge story. Uh, can I just quickly take a segue? Uh, Cricket-wise, Ashes series, next season, next year, should I say, in England. The dates have been released. It all begins June 16 in Edgbaston, uh, June 28, the second test at Lords, and then right through to the Oval on July 27 to 31. So all test matches finish before August, which is the hottest month of their summer generally. So uh, the Ashes will be upon us very quickly. So when was the last time that there wasn't an Ashes test in England, in the month of August. Do you know? Well, I did read something recently that it's it's a long time. In fact, maybe never. 1884. Well, there you go. That's what? 1884, which which was the first series. So it's the first, it's the first time and since you, 1884 that there hasn't been a test in England in August. And you know why? Why? Because the players, the English players, and maybe some of the Australians as well, would like to be involved in the 100, a short-form game of Mickey Mouse cricket. No, it is. What's well, true? That's that They want to be able to fit in their packed short-form cricket schedule as well. So anyway, I've got the dates for the Lord's Test match, and uh, now I'm going to try and see if I can get there. And the girls will go at it over a five-day test for the first time in 2023 too. So yep. they're normally over four days, but they're going to go at it over five. Ah, we need to get to a break. One double three eight eighty two. Cam Mooney's not too far away. Mitch Morton's going to join us tonight. Scotty Sattler to preview the NRL. Uh, we've got plenty more to do here on Sports Day. So much of the sport that's bubbling around as well. But if you'd like to join in, one double three eight eighty two. what's hot for you? Thanks to the Darnut Butchering Company's taste of Darnut Valley Spring Lamb. Back soon. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. If you missed us off the top of the program, thanks to Polaris. Thank you, Australia, for making Polaris Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand 21 years in a row. The West Coast began their delistings officially, announcing Tom Joyce today, uh, even though we told you last week. Jackson Nelson and Hugh Dixon were the other two West Coast Eagles not offered contracts going forward. Macedonia Park confirmed as the new temporary venue for the Glory A-League men's side. Uh, hopefully that means they're going to have uh, some some lighting installed there to bring it right up to standard because that was the official um, problem with that venue earlier when we had a chat to Tony Sage. Uh, the Wacker AGM is on tonight, so be interested to hear what the outcomes of that is. And the AFL Grand Final umpires have been announced. Matt Stevick, Brendan Hosking and Simon Meredith will be the three officials on Grand Final Day. Peter German to coach Perth and East Perth will have a side in the WAFL in season 2023. In the Waffle W. So the women's competition going from seven teams to eight. And you're right, Peter German, the two-time Subiaco Premiership coach heads to the Demons. We know the lack of success they've had, but it still leaves a couple of doors ajar, to my knowledge. Certainly at Swan Districts, Adam Pickering, as uh, you broke uh, a week or so ago, uh, was 
show on the door after not being able to uh, uh, get his team into a top three position, which I think was a pretty tough task with the list they had. Uh, it was a really high bar, so I think Pickers a little stiff on, on that barometer to, to not keep his job at top three, uh, and that was uh, all she wrote for him. As for Jeremy Barnard, of course, we know he was released uh, before the end of the season, so East Perth also looking for a senior coach. But there's there's not too many obvious uh, replacements out there, but I'm sure... Uh, the, the respective clubs are going to dig deep and, and maybe find an assistant or someone from interstate to come and do the job. Yeah, well, look, Ross McQueen's certainly Absolutely. Uh, got runs on the board, so uh, he he should be um, seriously considered at East Perth. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't get a great, chance, to be honest. Great junior coach. And, yep. and look, I, I call Last the game games are good. East Perth, South Fremantle, and if that's the type of footy they're going to play, I, I think... Ross McQueen, uh, sometimes you want to look left and look right, sometimes look straight in front of you. And he moved a few magnets, which was good too. Didn't just uh, rock up with the same structure. Let's go to Roscoe and Freo. G'day, Ross. Scoe, how are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good evening, fellas. Look, uh, just on the Hawthorne scenario, this, uh, as you would be well aware, this will have huge ramifications for North Melbourne because there's a lot of footballers requested to go to North Melbourne after the appointment of Alistair Clarkson. If these allegations are proven, he won't be there. And uh, that, that's pure and simple. So a lot of players now may be thinking, well, what's going on here? And uh, I've always been at the adage, mate, if there's smoke, there's fire. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. Thank yeah, you. you make a good point. I mean, you know, when you consider, say, a couple of the Fremantle requests, uh, Griffin Logue, Darcy Tucker, uh, Cameron Zerhar, he was, he was leaving North Melbourne until Alistair Clarkson was appointed in the role. Let's be honest. Do you think a Darcy Tucker or a Griffin Logue would be so quick, so keen to get across to North Melbourne if Alistair Clarkson wasn't the coach? Probably not. No, and 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 they may well rethink the decision that they've made. Which then, well, well let's face it, they 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 Tucker has a contract, so he could he could easily say, "No, I'm not exploring that option." So Fremantle keep him. But what happens if this isn't, isn't resolved before trade week? Well. <laughs> Again, it, it puts those players involved in these circumstances, which is why I think this investigation has to be priority one. Priority one, but how do you how do you get the investigation going and do a thorough job, and then make a decision between now and the first week of October? It's not going to happen. Well, with the twenty first now, yeah, it's it's, it's not going to happen. So, and and then if there's legal argument, which I'd suggest that uh, unless these uh, allegations are categorically proven to be true, which already we've had denial, there is no chance in the world that we're going to see it um, resolved. I, I don't think we're going to see it resolved before the, to be perfectly honest, I don't think we're going to see it res- resolved before the season gets underway. That's what I'm, if I'm looking into my crystal ball, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, are you seeing that Brisbane and North Melbourne are also having to scramble to think, okay, who have we got coaching-wise as as plan B to, to step into the breach if need be? Well, I'm a little bit of uh, the view of our earlier caller in Sean. Oh, in the, yeah, the allegations these, are just... Alleg- these saying- individuals should be allowed to continue on in, in their roles unless they are proven guilty. Mate, you're innocent until proven guilty. I understand guilty. that. So, but lots of people stand aside if their investigation's done at workplaces until the investigation is completed. So that's a slightly different take. But So therefore, how long are they going to be that, well, sitting on the side? And I, I, how long's I, a piece I, of string? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it's going to go on uh, for quite some and, and time. And let me say this again. And it should go on Clarkson, for some time. Fagan, both said to be devastated. And one can only imagine if they are innocent 
how gutting that would be because there are some allegations that you can uh, wipe away. And, but this mud, irrespective, rightly or wrongly, will stick on both those men. And, and that, um, and again, whether they are proven guilty or innocent, that's going to hurt for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, when it comes to player movement, it was a little bit quiet on the on the Western Front today. This was really the the only story to come out of the AFL. I'm, and I'm glad that uh, we had already put some irons in the fire with a, a couple of blokes that we can reminisce about uh, tonight. Cam Mooney's going to join us shortly after the break. It'll be nice to have a chat to Cam. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to having uh, a chat to him on a number of fronts, but also I've done a little bit of research on the number of times that he fronted the tribunal or was suspended and a bloke who's sitting across the table from me. So you and and Cam Mooney have got a remarkably similar record in the sense that you found trouble with the umpires and the judicial system. Right. Okay. I look forward to rekindling that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask him about his uh, finest grand final moment. That's one thing that uh, I want to ask you. Well, about. It won't be 2000. What was it? Maybe 1999, I wouldn't have thought, when he won one or no possessions. <laughs> no, he had nothing. Nothing. He had donuts. But I'm not going to say that to him because uh, I think that would be a little bit unkind, especially when we've invited him on to try and change the tack, which we'll be doing straight after this break here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. One double three eight eighty two is our number. Chats with mates. Uh, make the switch to mates internet and mobile. And Cam Mooney, three-time AFL Premiership player, of course, back with North Melbourne in 1999, but more recently, 2007 and 2009 with the Geelong Cats. And his Cats are now into another grand final. Moons, uh, how are you feeling as we go to air tonight? Oh, I'm feeling good, guys, to be honest. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, feeling really confident what they can do. But in saying that, I'm I'm pretty confident in what Sydney have been doing over the last uh, seven, eight weeks as well. So I think this might be one of the, the better grand finals that we've seen for quite some time. Given the achievements in your career and reflecting back to that first premiership victory with North Melbourne and then, of course, uh, a decade later winning one in 2009 at Geelong, which one, or was it 2007? Which one sticks out in your mind as a as a, a grand final victory? Which one is the most well, cherished? <laughs> the 99 one uh, probably sticks in my memory for probably lesser reasons than I'd like because I didn't have a, a hell of a day that one. <laughs> I was only 19 years of age and I was uh, extremely naive and immature as an AFL footballer at that time in my life. And... But I was, I was only got into the side really on the back of Jason McCartney getting suspended the week before. So I, I got in the side and, mate, I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest. I mean, I'm not sure how old you were when you played in that 92 one, but, mate, I was just a, a silly kid who had just no idea what I was doing. Spent most of the day on the bench, uh, partied pretty hard, and then, you know, took off to Geelong about three days later. Um, so definitely the 2007 one for me was, was still the, the one I hold, cherish the most because, you know, we were coming off a, a 44-year drought as a footy club and I look back now and I think, you know, when I got to the club, the, the, the club wasn't, a, it wasn't in a great spot. The list was pretty was ageing and was pretty ordinary and, and then Bomber came in and brought a bunch of us young kids in with him and and then, you know, the rest is history, I guess. We, we grew and grew and grew until we became one of the powerhouses. Yeah, so you win a flag in 07, break that drought, given you'd been through... 
the heartache moons in 89, 92, 94, 95 as, as a footy club. 07, it was just like the emotions were let loose. Now, we fast forward to more than a decade later after you've had those successes in that first decade of the 2000s. What is the feeling like amongst the Cats faithful? Because they know what success tastes like now, but it has been a bit of frustration in between. It has been, to be honest. I mean, you go back to 2011, obviously, the last premiership, and, you know, Scotty came in, and there's always a lot of questions on, you know, he was a first-year coach, you know, how much did he have, have to do on, on a side that I think really finished third or fourth the year before. But I, I can honestly say, being there that year, you know, if we had, if Bomber Thompson had a stayed, and Bomber's the greatest coach that I've ever played under, hands down, but if we ha- if he had a stayed, we probably wouldn't have won that premiership that year. We'll just—it was just time for a new voice and new change. So Scotty came in and gave us a new change and a new voice, and all those type of things. And he was instrumental in making sure that the club won that premiership. But it wasn't his side that he put together, and this is why I'm really keen for him to win this one because uh, this is a side now that he's he's put together himself for, for many many years. He's uh, gone through ups and downs, highs and lows, and. He's had teams that have done so well in the home and away and then fallen over in the finals. Uh, They changed their game style this year, which I absolutely loved. They played a game style for years that was a home and away style. It wasn't a a final style. But this year he's changed it. And uh, as I've said a couple of times to some people this week, I think this is the best side that I've seen Geelong put out since the 2011 Premiership. So uh, all all things going well. you know they are the best side in the competition at the minute, but you know I've been in the I've been in a side that was the best side as well and didn't quite get over the line. So it does happen. So you've got to be on the ball on the day. But and Sydney is such a bloody good side. Uh, I'm expecting a really tight tight game, but if all things go well, I think Geelong should win this one. Just reflecting back to 2011 Moons, you played the eight games. Uh, in every game you played, you got the chocolates. Uh, you played the first uh, couple of rounds and then you had a lengthy spell on the sidelines and then you came back in late to play rounds 19, 20, 21. Um, what happened right at the end? So basically, Carl, but I went into that season and I remember, you know, I remember vividly a training session in February, we were doing an up-and-down-the-ground drill, and one of the young blokes, who would have been a second year at the club, pushed me off the ball, and my knee just buckled under me, and my and my whole body was just shot. And I remember thinking to myself, I should have retired then and then. That's how bad I felt. Um, and then I stuck around through the year. Uh, things I, was, I played, like you said, I played probably a handful of games at the start of the year, and I played like an absolute bastard, to be honest. I, I couldn't run. I couldn't move. I went back to the reserves. Uh, actually, I took three weeks off and got myself fit. Went back to the reserves and played five weeks, I think it was. Came back into the side, and you're right, I played those three games in a row, and I felt okay, but I got suspended, um, would you believe it, against Adelaide. And, and then in the end, it was the spot was up to myself and Tom Hawkins, so that was the last spot in the forward line. And I remember going into just about into the final series and I sat down with Scotty and he, as I sat down with him, as I thought he was about to tell me I'm back in the side after my suspension, I could see a tear in his eye, Carl, and I, and I said, oh, no, this is not good. And he looked at me and said, mate, I, don't, I can't give you a reason why other than I'm just, I'm just going to go with the young bloke. And he went with Hawkins. And it was the best move I think he ever made because Hawkins went from a boy to a man in the space of four or five weeks through that final series and tore a grand final apart, which I know, looking back, I could never have done.
No, you're very honest there, Moons. In fact, listening to you and sitting next to Carl, it seems like a, something in common that I can't quite put my finger on. In fact, yes, I can. Um, you were reported 13 times in your career. Carl, what about you? Nine. <laughs> Nine times. 13 weeks suspension. How many weeks for you, Moons? Um, oh, I think there was a probably got up to about 20-odd. <laughs> So oh, I think it may have cost me my may have cost me two fifty games in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because like Carl always had that reputation. We know that David Reese Jones and Dermot, but Moons, like, that's surprising. That snuck up on me. Those numbers. Well, you're playing centre half forward. It's the hardest position on the field. You've <laughs> got you've got to you've got to show you know the younger blokes how to how to move and do all these things and. You've got to clear a path sometimes, and sometimes that path means you might lift an elbow or something. <laughs> so, uh, they're the things that happen. But that, look, that, I think that's I loved watching Carl play. I loved watching the big centre forwards play when I was a kid. Um, you know, and that's they're the kind of people that I based my game on because I was never, I was never the best player in the team, and, and I'm, I'm more than happy to say that. But I thought I was an extremely important player in those teams, uh, playing at centre forward and playing in that forward line. Now, a little birdie has told me, I might be completely wrong, but if the Cats get the job done on Saturday afternoon, that Joel Selwood, he may sail off into the sunset if he wins a flag. Is that something that's possible? Well, I think it would, I think it would be a, a wise choice, to be honest, yes. I think um, you know, it would be a perfect way to go out. I mean, there's nothing more than a man can do. Uh, and this is just my opinion, obviously. Um, you know, I saw Tom Harley go out as a premiership captain, I saw Cameron Lynn go out as a premiership captain and Brad Ottens and as well go as a premiership player. Um, you know, it's a fantastic time to hang up the boots. Has he got another year left in? Yeah, he could probably go around again. No, no doubt about it. Um, but I think if he got to hold the cup up, and, I, and I, I'm big on legacies, boys. I'm big talking about them. And Joel's legacy, if he goes out as a premiership captain, you know, his legacy is sealed. You know, it probably already is. But as a premiership captain to walk away from the game, that would just be the ultimate, um, you know, tick just against his name, you know, leaving the game. And you know, so it'd be interesting to see what he does. But I think it would be a good time to go if he does win. Thanks, Moons. Nice to chat, mate. See you on the weekend. All right, boys. Have a good one. Good on you, Cam Mooney, joining us here on Sports Day. Thanks to chats with mates. Mobile plans from just twenty dollars per month. Why wait? Make the switch to mates. And we have been here thanks to the Donut Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb, available at WA's best restaurants, hotels, and cafes. We'll clear a commitment and we'll keep this grand final premiership theme going after the news. We'll tell you who our first guest is next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Now, after the 7 o'clock news, we are going to reminisce with Sydney Swans Premiership player Mitch Morton, who will join us here on Sports Day. Scotty Sattler will chat NRL finals. We'll have a chat to Michael Pryor, the West Coast Eagles AFLW coach, Barat Sanderason, about the brilliant performance last night by Cam Green and the upcoming game on Thursday against India. And we'll get into the golf chat with Mark Allen, thanks to Barra and O'Day's Green to Green. All of that coming away after the 7 o'clock news that's next for the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. 
Nice to have your company here on Sports Day, and we are here thanks to Repco Authorised Service. For expert car service, you can book into your local authorised Repco Service Centre. And we are joined by Mitch Morton, a bloke who played back in the Sydney Swans Premiership in 2012. It's a decade ago. It feels like yesterday. Mitch, how are you? Welcome to Sports Day. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you're right. It does feel like yesterday. It's it's scary where the past 10 years has gone. Well, it's only a few days since the Swans qualified for the grand final by just a point as a premiership player at the club. How are the nerves? Uh, I'm guessing about uh, 4.30, quarter to five Perth time last Saturday. Yeah, well, I was pretty happy at half time, And then obviously uh, the third quarter, we were looking good. But it was a hell of a fight back from Collingwood. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're lucky to hold on in the end. But uh, like I said to my fiancé at the time, it doesn't matter how you get there. It all, all gets reset and everyone starts at zero all on grand final day. So really, really happy that the, the guys were able to get there. And uh, they've got a really special group. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can bring to the game on Saturday. Well, talk us through the week because uh, open training session yesterday, the Swans, and then, of course, they head to Melbourne tomorrow to prepare for the grand final parade. How did you recall the week from a, a playing perspective and well, the memories you had? Or was it a bit of a blur? Well... I was probably one of the one of the few people that go into grand final week not knowing whether you're going to play or not. So we had a guy named Ben McGlynn who was a fantastic footballer who had been out injured, um, and I think if he had got up uh, for that for that grand final, then it probably would have come down to me and maybe one or two other guys as to who would miss out. So I knew I was kind of in that situation, so I was pretty nervous. We'd won the prelim on a Friday night against Collingwood as well. Um, a little bit more comfortably, thank thank goodness, than the, the boys did last week. Um, but I'd had that whole weekend to think about it, and I was pretty pretty anxious about it. Um, and then I found out pretty early in the week that I was playing. But going into the week, I had no idea whether I was actually going to be playing or not. Taking us back in time, but uh, there was a bit of history created with Mike Pike being part of your premiership team. Yeah, obviously he was a huge part of our, our team. Um, and, and a guy that is, you know, was really well respected around the playing group and, and someone that I learned a lot off. I was one of the guys that used to get into training, you know, really early and like to get, get set up and that. And Mike Pike was one of the, one of the guys who did the same thing. So I spent a lot of time with him. Um, and yeah, really professional guy who, who has, you know, such a unique story in that he'd played rugby for his country and then obviously came over and was able to, to make it in the AFL as well, which is so rare and unique. And, He's someone that is still very involved in the football club. He's always out there speaking at events and doing functions for the for the club on game days, um, and he's super, you know, well respected from the players and the club and supporters as well. So, um, really special to uh, to have him in that group. And just looking back at uh, your team, mate. Of course, uh, the coach is still in play, John Longmire. The sub was in vogue back then uh, with Luke Parker. He being the sub and. Uh, a bloke that uh, people might not remember, Sam Reid, who was playing at centre-half forward. Now, he's, of course, in, in real doubt and unlikely to be part of the team, unfortunately, after injuring his groin. Yeah, well, people forget that we had the sub for those few years. So I had the uh, the unlucky uh, experience of being subbed out in the last quarter of the prelim. So that's why I was a little bit nervous going into grand final week. But, um, yeah, it was interesting back then with the sub. Um, but now they don't have it, which I, I, I think is a good decision not to have it. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting back then, and the, play, the coaches used to put a lot of thought into who would be the sub, just because if, if, if someone went down early in the game and they needed someone who could run out a full game, 
or if it was going to be a big guy that went down, then obviously you'd want a tall to replace him. But they could obviously couldn't just see what was going to happen. So a lot of tactics went into who the sub would be, um, which now they don't do, which is interesting. Big moment. In fact, the crucial moment of that match, Nick Malczewski. Where were you in relation when he snapped that goal late in the piece and essentially put the game to bed? Yeah, well, I was. it was, it was an interesting experience for me because I only played half of the game. So not many people know that, but I only played 60 minutes of, I think, 121. Um, so I played half the game and I sat the last 15 minutes on the bench. So um, I was effectively just a supporter for the last, you know, the second half of the last quarter. So it was really interesting not being able to impact the game. And I was on the bench um, with, I'm trying to remember who was there with me. I think it might have been Jude, Shane Mumford, and maybe Craig Bird, if I remember correctly. I can't exactly remember. Uh, but we were on the bench, and obviously we knew how long was left because um, that information's being fed down to the bench. So when it went through, yeah, it was just a phenomenal moment um, and something that, you know, anybody who was there on that day or watched it, and especially us players out there, will never, ever forget. It was a really, really special moment. Yeah, you still played your part, though. Just going back to the second quarter, you kicked a couple of goals in a quick space of time. Yeah, and that was, I mean, my job wasn't necessarily being there to kick the goals. I was there for my defensive stuff, which was, um, what I came into the team for, you know, for the first qualifying final. And um, I had probably had a better final series defensively than offensively. I only kicked four goals across the, the three games. But, yeah, it's always it's, it's just good to contribute. I think any time you play a team sport and you're in a big game like that, all you want to do is contribute to the team. And um, I did that defensively. I was pretty happy with that and was just really lucky to be in the right spot at the right time to be able to kick a couple of goals. is always nice. Do you remember running out? And if so, what was it like when you looked around at the 99,683 spectators that went along to watch you win that day? Yeah, well, it's funny. I I guess I was lucky in the sense that I'd played for one of the big uh, Melbourne clubs for four years. So I played for Richmond for four years and had that experience of playing in front of 70 or 80,000 people for the Richmond versus Collingwood. Uh, and the Richmond versus Carlton games and stuff like that. So I kind of had that experience already at the MCG. And having that ground as my, my home ground and kicking a few goals there at different times, I'd gone into that a little bit confident already. So um, it was I was probably lucky in that sense compared to some of the other players. But when the crowd's that big, it's funny. It, the noise kind of does get drowned out, by this, just in the sense that there's so much noise that it's, it's hard to hear anything in particular. Um, so it was, a, it was a good experience running out, and it was, yeah... Deafening at times with the crowd, but I enjoy those bigger crowds just because you can't hear everyone. Whereas when there's only you know ten or fifteen thousand people and you're playing in a Darwin or something like that, you literally can hear everything that the crowd yells out. What about the grand final sprint? I'm not talking about halftime. I'm talking about Lewis Jetta and Surreali, which was yeah, uh, just a standout, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's funny how you can look back on the grand finals and choose one or two moments that everybody remembers. Obviously, the West Coast one in 2018 will be remembered for the most clutch goal ever kicked in history, um, Dom Shee. But I think there was a couple of special moments on our day. And, yeah, those two guys running down the wing was amazing, amazing to watch. Well, I can tell you who did actually win the grand final sprint, and it was Patrick Dangerfield, who actually won yeah, it at okay. half time when you blokes <laughs> were in the room. And uh, Harry Cunningham, one of your teammates, came second. And Angus Litherland from the Hawks, another WA yeah, boy, finished yeah. third. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, classic, yeah. And, yeah but, it'll be interesting to see who wins it this week. And, and what about Buddy, of course, who was a hawk back then? Yeah, well, amazing to see Bud playing his, his sixth. I thought it was his fifth, but it's his sixth grand final. So, um, yeah, what an unbelievable career he's had and um, couldn't have happened to a better person. He's just a fantastic guy. And, 
Um, I know everyone in Sydney absolutely loves him and really excited that he's got another year on his contract. But for this week, it's all about this week and getting him another premiership. It'd be awesome. So. Brilliant, Mitch. Well, thank you for sharing a few minutes with us tonight. We appreciate it, mate. Take care and enjoy the game. No worries. Thanks very much. Go Swans. Good on you. Mitch Morton, you can still hear he is a true blood. Absolutely. And the Morton family, we know such a rich heritage in footy in the WAFL. And Mitch, uh, despite having some ups and downs in his AFL career, he ends up with a premiership duly rewarded. Fantastic. Uh, Mitch Morton joining us thanks to Repco Authorised Service. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Uh, Now, we are going to change tack after the break. We are going to come back and we are going to have a chat to Scotty Sattler. He is the host of Sports Day over on the East Coast about the NRL Finals. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day and fantastic to have Scotty Sattler on our program again, co-host of Sports Day and nine NRL commentator and week three of the finals are upon us and Scotty, has there been any shocks for you up to this point? How are you, mate? Oh, really well, guys. Really, really well. And in relation to, to shocks, I don't think there has been. I think the only shock we got was in week one, which was the uh, the Melbourne Storm going down to the Canberra Raiders, who just snuck into the finals week one. The Canberra Raiders were beaten convincingly last week by the Parramatta Eels, 40-4. to four. They were running on fumes by that stage, the Canberra Raiders. But up till now, it's I've got to say, it hasn't been as exhilarating uh, consistently as what the AFL finals have been. We've seen a couple of blowouts, a couple of really good moments, great games also. But um, but I've got to say, no surprises. And no surprise at South, who finished, uh, what, sixth on the, on the competition ladder. Uh, no surprise that we're seeing a seventh they did. No surprise that we're seeing them um, go through to... The, the second last weekend because we just knew that once they got Latrell back and he was fully fit and, and they got all their players on board that they're going to be one of the danger teams. Absolutely. It's a fascinating battle between two sides that are there at the business end of 2021. But Alex Johnston, a bit of a stomach issue. Will he play against the Panthers in your eyes? Well, he's also got a hip flexor injury. So he took a, he took a whack to the hip flexor. And um, I don't know whether they didn't put him back on just because of precautionary reasons or he was unable to get back on. Now, those those shots to the hip flexor, um, really painful and tough to recover from as well, especially if you rely on speed as part of your game. So uh, I think you'll play, but I think you'll play under a fair bit of suffering. So I, I think you'll play with a needle. And this time of the year you do, you become a bit of a pincushion anyway. So yeah, Joy Arrow's got a groin injury as well. Um, he said he's definitely going to play as well. So he's going to play under a little bit of suffering. And so it seems though South Sydney are limping into this final where you've got the Penrith Panthers who the luxury of having the weekend off. You sit back and watch everyone um, get suspended or injured and then you go into this game just firing on all cylinders and that's what Penrith are doing. Penrith, Nathan Cleary, missed a lot of football in the back end of the season but has he missed a beat in essence with his skill, his touch? Hasn't because he wasn't injured, so he didn't have to recover from injury and sort of start again with his with his fitness. Yeah, you know, for the entire five weeks, it's actually it's actually a better position for Penrith because although you'd love to have him there, you basically you're sending him off to boot camp for five weeks just to hone his skills even greater. 
than what they already are. And we saw that in his first week back in week one of the finals. Um, we used to have a ranking in the, the old rugby league week, you know, a little bit like the record with uh, the AFL, and, and used to have a player out of 10. Every player used to get rated out of 10. And if we still had that in this day and age, Cleary's score would have been a 10 out of 10 with that, that return match in the week one of the finals. So, you know, I, I, he's just a, he's a brilliant player. And when he's not out injured and he's just getting to work on his game, he's only going to get stronger. He's not going to um, de- de- deplete it in any way. Taylan May, who misses out for the Panthers after his uh, one-week ban, which he accepted. Is it a chance for Charlie Staines to stay in the side, or is it just a matter of him filling a hole? Filling a hole. Uh, I, I believe Taylan May shouldn't be allowed to play in the, this year's final series, or be given. A, he should have been given a suspension due to his assault charge uh, last post-grand final last year. Um, but yeah, the NRL have made the decision that he's going to serve that suspension next year for some reason, some crazy reason. But in saying that, no, he's he's been one of the form players of not only Penrith but one of the outside backs in the comp. So no, Charlie Staines would just be filling a hole. Right, who wins that game? You going for the Panthers? Well, last two years now, grand final qualifier, Penrith beat South twenty sixteen. Last year, grand final, Penrith beat South fourteen twelve. This year, well, they officially become, um, well, the, the bunnies become other bunnies in in actual fact for the uh, for the Panthers because it just seems as though they're, um, they've got the uh, the wood on the right rabbit So I'm going to say Penrith to go through the grand final. And, and the other game with North Queensland, I mean, again, they get a weekend off. They get to play in North Queensland in Townsville. The humidity is up around 88%. Parramatta have got to travel up there and play after winning a game easily. And it's going to be really difficult to play in those conditions, uh, those, that humidity. You don't usually play in it week in, week out. So it's, the lungs are going to be blowing for Parramatta. And on the back of that and having the week off and the way this North Queensland team has been playing, I've got to say North Queensland will um, will win that game as well. And just on the Cowboys, mate, no significant injury returns, uh, of course, that, or concerns, sorry. Uh, they, they've, as you said, they sit out and they've already named 17 who got the job done in the opening week. So uh, they've got no problem sitting there beautifully. No, well, exactly. And that's what the weekend allows you to do. It just allows you to fine-tune. And even if you've got a couple of injuries, it just allows you just to get those niggling injuries right. And, and in that week one of week two, week, week one of the finals, I should say, when they played um, the Cronulla and had the weekend off, they conceded 30 points. Now, they've been one of the best teams in the comp, so they haven't conceded that many, conceded that many this year. So it just gave them another opportunity just to fix a few of those little concerns they had from, from week one. So, you know, they're sitting prime position, home final. North Queensland will be going absolutely bunter over the next three days and um, sell, out, sell out as well and uh, playing in those conditions. It, you know, and they can't rely on that, Townsville. That's what their coach has got to make them believe that we just can't rely on the home final and the conditions. We've got to, you've got to, win, you've got to beat them early and score the points late. Yeah, well, it's a night game, but the temperature forecast is still around 30 degrees for Friday, and mm. then it's going to be warm on the night. I was about to ask you this, Scotty, with regards to home ground advantage, North Queensland, is it one of the more pronounced uh, home grounds where you get the crowd and, and the venue and just the environment makes it tough for opposition sides? Once upon a time when I was playing, no, because the first thing you used to pack was your jeans because um, you knew you were going to get the win against a, a pretty ordinary Cowboys side on a Saturday night and you got to go to a nightclub up there <laughs> called the Mad Cow, which is one of the greatest nightclubs in, in the world. So, um, But since Jonathan Thurston arrived in 2005, things changed. and 
you can't go up there now and expect to win. So it has become a really difficult place to play at, um, especially because of the conditions. It's it's something you experience. I remember playing a Golden Point game there in 2003, the year we won it, and we ended up winning the Golden Point with about a minute to go um, of 10 minutes extra time. And and I think I lost about nearly four kilos that game, and it took me a long time to recover that following week. So, yeah, if you do beat them up there, it takes a lot out of you physically. And then if you do beat them and go to a grand final, yeah, recovery just becomes paramount. Thank you, Scotty. We appreciate your time, mate. Uh, and we'll have a chat to you again soon, I'm sure. Take care. No worries, guys. Thank you very much. Scotty Sattler, co-host of Sports Day and 9NRL commentator as they get to the pointy end in that competition. Skeet, who are you tipping? Cowboys or the Eels? Uh, I think the Cowboys at home get the job done. Me too. And on Saturday night, we'll see the Panthers take on the Rabbitohs. And the Panthers will go through to another grand final and they will win back-to-back titles, in my opinion. Wowee, there you go. So uh, thoughts from Mark Reddings. He agrees with Scotty Sattler. Uh, That is thanks to the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid and all-electric. You can see more at kia.com.au. Michael Pryor, the coach of the West Coast Eagles AFLW team, who got their second win of the season, will join us next. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Michael Pryor joins us from the West Coast Eagles, AFLW coach. Welcome, Mick. How you going, mate? I'm good, Carl. How are you? Yeah, going really well. Uh, good bounce back last week. Of course, uh, you got blown away by Essendon in a game that I saw firsthand out there at Mineral Resources Park in round three. But on the road against the Giants, you got the job done. Yeah, really pleasing. Obviously, uh, the Essendon game didn't go the way we wanted it to go. We um, gave up too many goals early in that game and um, really looked at how we could change things, do things differently, players' preparation, coaches. Um, our fitness staff um, implementing the different warm-up that we did in Sydney on the weekend and um, whether it's a mental thing or, or what have you, we changed a few things and it worked for us. So we'll try and replicate that tomorrow. Speaking of your side, Michael, an Eagles debutante, Abigail Bushby, which is terrific news for her. Yeah, outstanding by uh, Bushby. She's still at school out at Guildford uh, Grammar, I think she is. So um, that's how young they are. And um, yeah, really, really, really excited to get her into the club and um, as an inside midfielder, she's trained really well um, against some of our pros. And it was just a matter of time for her. Um, and obviously, um, last week she was um, crook, so we couldn't play her last week. So probably a week later than what we hoped, but fantastic that she's in the side. And what a way to debut at Optus in a derby. Mick, uh, the biggest issue that uh, I see even last week, mate, is scoring. I'm sure that you would like to be putting more goals on the board. Uh, it looked like that you were going to you know, be a lot better in that area after watching you in the first game, uh, kicking those six goals, but it's dried up a little bit since. Yeah, it has, and we think we, we left a few out there on the weekend. I think if you think of our first quarter, our two points, Ash McCarthy marks inside 50 and she plays on 25 metres out and hits the post, so that's an absolute one that we'd bank in nine times out of ten, and then Michaela Weston running into an open goal and just gets run down and touched late. So, um, yeah, we think we think there's a couple we left out there, but obviously um, we want to score more. Um, we thought that um, one of their defenders had a bit of an influence in marking the ball inside our forward 50, and we're just going to get smarter as a, as a forward group and um, just go and make sure that they've got no free players and make sure there's a contest every time that ball comes in, which will help us hit the ground and, and score with our small. So, yeah, obviously we'd like to score more. The Dockers... Would I would imagine. 
the Dockers, Michael, have had the better of you, as you well know, in derbies. It feels like this is close to your best chance to, to get that elusive victory in an AFLW match against them. Yeah, I think um, even... You know, talking yesterday that um, we take a lot of confidence into this week and it didn't matter who the opponent was this week. We, we feel like we've got a few things right. Um, we're confident and we're looking forward to the challenge. So um, if we come out and deliver a four-quarter effort like we did on Saturday in Sydney, uh, we're going to be in the fight. And that's the exciting part. We want to be in the fight and we obviously want to win this game. So um, we'll give it our best chance. You know a bit about Trent Cooper and he knows a bit about you and uh, and he found out this week that your friendship or your footy relationship goes back a bit. Yeah, it does. goes back a long way. In our footy, um, I think um, Naranda Junior Footy Club is where we, we played footy. He was a year younger than me, but um, in the under-17s, we come together. Um, we went to the same primary school, uh, different high schools, and then um, you know, our footy journeys went different ways. And now we're, we're coaching the two teams in, in Perth in the women's competition. So... Um, yeah, I've known Coops for a long time and really respect what he's done in football. And um, he's got the wood over me at the moment, coaching record, 1-0 in derbies. Um, so I'm looking to even that legend come tomorrow. Beautiful, Mick. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Take care. No worries, guys. Thank you. Good Bye-bye. on you, Michael Pryor, here on Sports Day for the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And, of course, uh, the AFL were looking or considering moving uh, a couple of these fixtures, uh, given that it was a public holiday, but uh, they already had half a, go- a dozen games scheduled um, predominantly on the Friday. That's due to the uh, men's game grand final because they've only got the one game Pretty much a a curtain raiser, you would call that, Skeet, getting underway at 10 past nine, our time at Swinburne Centre, which involves Richmond and the Brizzy Lions. But they did move the game forward, a one ten start tomorrow here at Optus Stadium. Yeah, just wondering what sort of crowd we'll get here for that match. It's a public holiday. Is it in the psych of uh, footy fans or is it a case of they're all looking at uh, the MCG and the build-up to the grand final? So uh, can't wait to find out, but hopefully a competitive game of footy. Uh, Michael Pryor trying to get a victory over his old mate, Trent Cooper. Well, it is a derby and uh, if you've got nothing else to do, get along and support the girls. Um, there was about 1,500 the other day at uh, the Eagles home game out there at Lathlane and Freo have been always uh, able to draw a pretty good crowd. So let's hope that they do get behind the girls as we clear a commitment, come back and have a chat to Barat Sanderason on the back of what the Aussies did last night. Another game coming up on Thursday against India. Sports Day for Kia. The all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor project sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day, and it always makes me smile when uh, we get this man on the radio, Barat Sanderason. Uh, he's always up and about. Uh, cricket writer for Crick Buzz. Welcome, Barat. How you going, mate? I'm doing very good, guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, I smile too when I'm on with you guys, so it's mutual. Good. Now, before we get into talking shop with you about the cricket, who's going to win the AFL Grand Final? Because I know that you've become a little bit more this way inclined in uh, getting your eye in. I have, and I have to say, I was very, very fortunate to be at the SANFL final this Sunday, uh, where, you know, my home team, the Norwood Red Legs, won by a point, and also I got a free cheeseburger because I was there at the ground. So it was quite a game, quite a finish, and I expect something similar to happen on, on Saturday. And I don't know whether this is going to be a popular opinion or not, but I think I'm, I have a feeling it's Geelong. It's been Geelong season all along. I know. You know, the the hype and the understandable hype around Buddy Frank, Franklin, and that was quite 
quite something, uh, the Sydney Swans Collingwood game. I mean, I'm so happy that I've fallen in love with this wonderful sport. But I, I think it's been Geelong's season and I think their time has come. Yes, well, Brad, I can promise you this. For those of us at the MCG on Saturday, we won't be getting a free cheeseburger, uh, irrespective of the result. <laughs> but uh, i tell you who's uh, dined out uh, overnight. Cam Green for Australia. Uh, opening the batting, that was a surprise. Do you think this is a short-term or perhaps a, a long-term look at a man who could uh, hopefully force his way into a World Cup side at some stage? Oh, I, I really think we are beginning to see that this man can do anything, uh, right? I mean, he's been thrown into the deep end. I mean, think about his international career so far. Uh, he starts off against uh, India in that high-profile series when he's told that he can't uh, bowl more than three or four overs. Uh, a season later, he's playing in the ashes and starting in the ashes with the ball, getting rid of Joe Root time and again. Uh, then, you know, Australia haven't gone to Pakistan in so many years, 23 years, and he's on that tour and he impresses with bat and ball. And then in really dramatically turning condition, conditions in Sri Lanka, conditions he's never batted in before, he plays he plays this uh, remarkable innings in that first test at goal. Uh, and then, you know, you talk about his one-day form. People were like, you know, how is he going to go in 50-over cricket? He produces that match-winning knock uh, uh, you know, against New Zealand when all things seemed lost. Five for 44, Australia were in that game. Uh, and then uh, Australia are like, oh, you know what? You haven't tried opening in T20s before. Why don't you give that a go? And he showed us what he can do, some massive sixes. And he just looks like he belongs, doesn't he? And I think that's the beauty of Cam Green. Uh, and yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of IPL franchises who would have seen what he was doing yesterday. Uh, and very soon, we're going to be talking about Cam Green, the the IPL star. Our Ashwin has already said that some team's going to break their bank to get him in. Well, he's just got to keep drinking more water, I reckon, because uh, we only uh, have to reflect back to his time up there in Queensland, mate, where he didn't drink enough water. And uh, he's, uh, <laughs> if he's going to be batting out there for long times at the crease, it's going to be uh, have to be part of his routine. You know what, Barat? And correct me if I'm wrong, and you are the expert here, but I believe that that's the first time he's opened the innings in any of our international cricket teams? Oh, yeah, yeah, by far. And I don't think he's done much of it even for WA in most formats. Uh, you know, he's been that number three, number four guy for, for Western Australia in, in Shield cricket and even in one-day cricket. And for Australia, it's mainly been number five, number six. So uh, he And he only got in because David Warner has been rested and Australia wanted to, I mean, the selectors wanted to see where he fits in. Uh, but just just the composure he showed, and this, he was hitting some high quality bowlers. You know, these are Indian bowlers who are, uh, you know, seasoned, who know how to bowl on this condition. Uh, but he just took the charge, and you know, to win a Player of the Match award in your first game on Indian soil, the way he did, uh, yeah, it, it's just remarkable. And to do it the first time ever as a, as an opener. There are just so many options. There are just so many things Australia can do with him. And we're not even talking about his bowling. He just took five wickets uh, against Zimbabwe you know, one day. He's just getting better and better and better every time we see him. You spoke about the IPL. Uh, there's no better time than to do it on a tour of India in a T20 match. And tomorrow <laughs> on our program here, we're going to have a bloke by the name of Tom Moody, who is a coach. And he reminded me he's similar in stature, similar in height, and he's such an elegant batsman. I mean, when he gets his eye in, the way that he plays the strokes, uh, Barat, he just made it look so effortless. Oh, he's got this incredible balance for such a tall guy. 
uh, you know, when when you see guys so tall play cricket, uh, there's something uncoordinated about them. Like, you know, they, they're gawky, and especially when, the, when they move their feet, uh, they don't look very, very conventional. But with Cam Green, I remember the first time I saw him was batting, batting in the nets during the Adelaide Shield Hub in 2020. And just whether it's against spin or against space, front foot, back foot, he just seems in control. There's that this great balance, and that's why he's so successful in different conditions, right? Even um, the innings he played in Hobart against England, uh, or, or in conditions where the ball was doing all sorts, he looked so much at ease. He should have got a hundred that day. Unfortunately, he didn't. And then, like I said, in Sri Lanka, in turning conditions, uh, he used his speed beautifully. He used his speed better than you know Manas Labushain and those guys. So uh, yeah, uh, he he he's just elegant and like you said, uh, this lovely to watch and just the sound of ball when it comes off his bat, it, it's special. That tells you that we are watching someone very very special. Tim David on debut, a uh, cameo knock, eighteen runs off just fourteen deliveries, a four and a six. But the raps on this young man, who's essentially just a, a travelling short form player, it's going to be fascinating to see how he goes against this Indian lineup. Oh yeah, very much so. And like you know, he's he's literally creating a path for maybe many more Tim Davids who could come uh, and use this unusual path to international stardom. We know this wasn't his first international match. A lot of people on social media would correct you. He has played what 14 times for Singapore in uh, various T20 internationals, but this was his first high-profile international game. Uh, but he's so used to being uh, uh, in the spotlight. You know, he's played starry roles in the IPL, the PSL, in the BBL, of course. Uh, so this, the, the big stage wasn't new to him. Uh, but, you know, it was ideally play set up for him as well yesterday. Uh, you know, run chase uh, and Matthew Wade made life easy for him as well by taking the charge and uh, taking that pressure away from him uh, so that he could hit that 1-4, one, 1-6. One, and even though he got out in that last over, uh, he, he job well done. Uh, so I think Tim David's success is not only great for Tim David, but I think it's great for the future of you know young cricketers coming through the ranks. So there are many other pathways that are being created, and he's a pioneer in, in many ways. Thank you, Barat. We always appreciate your time, mate. Take care. No worries at all. Do I get a free cheeseburger for this? <laughs> well, mate, when you come to Perth, I'm going to take you out to lunch and buy you a beer. How's that sound? And it won't be uh, McDonald's. much. All right. <laughs> that sounds much, much better. Yeah. Righto. Good on you, mate. <laughs> you, Appreciate your time. Barat Santa Racing, uh, cricket writer for Crick Buzz. Thanks to the Toolkit Depot. You can spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at the Toolkit Depot. We need to clear a commitment on the other side. Mark Allen's going to have a yak to us on the back of Cam Smith winning his first live golf tournament. What does that mean? And President's Cup is on this week as well. Lots to talk about next. Sports Day for Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Get your spring outdoor projects sorted at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Thanks to Barrett O'Day, Green to Green, because the little things are everything. And former golf pro, host of the Twilight Zone on sister station 3AW, is Mark Allen, and he joined us. Welcome, Marco. How are you going? Evening, evening, boys. I'm very well. I'm a little bit sad that, you know, Cameron Smith's not playing in the President's Cup and Brooks Kepka and DJ because it's a very good event. And Quail High, where they're playing uh, the President's Cup this year, we've seen it a lot on the PGA Tour. It's a beautiful golf course. Uh, the 18th holes are special. I'm not sure whether the 18th is actually the 18th uh, at the President's Cup. Quite often they mix it up a little bit. But um, he's not playing, so it's a, you know... 
just not the same kind of feel as far as I'm concerned for this President's Cup coming up. Yeah, well, those names you mentioned, it's without question that you can't have the same excitement or the, the same level of anticipation. Surely, Marco, it's uh, got to have a different feel, doesn't it? No, it's, well, it's garbage, really, isn't it? I mean, if the best players are playing, then it uh, becomes garbage because you want the best players from America playing and you don't have Kepka, you don't have DJ, and you don't have Bryson. One, two, three are the biggest poster boys in American golf. And as far as we're concerned, Cameron Smith's not playing, Mark Leishman's not playing, Abraham Answer's not playing, who's a bit of a gun, and there's, you know, there's a couple of others. So, I can, look, I don't know. Disappointing. I'll be interested to see. I mean, if the Americans absolutely blitz it this week, and there is every, there's every chance they will. It's an American course, American crowd. Uh, the American team is still quite strong. Um, if the tournament is over before the singles, it's never happened before in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, as far as I know. If that happens, that's it for the President's Cup. That'll be it. It'll have to be a different format. And I think we spoke about this format a couple of weeks ago. I think it'll be half, six men, six women from each team. And hopefully that makes more sense. But it's a uh, it's a kick in the guts for the PGA Tour. That is for sure. I can tell you, Marco, one bloke who is going to be playing for the internationals, and that is Christian Bezudenhout. I'd love to be calling him in the AFL. <laughs> he's a good player he's a good player from South Africa he's actually quite good yeah. this level no he's not he's not ready for this level I don't think you know he might win four points I mean now that I've said that but I, I, I can't see it I mean it's it's fantastic that you know these guys get a chance and the crowds will be enormous and everything else but um, you know I'm with you I think I think the Americans are going to run away with it and remembering that the International teams only won once. So it's won once in, at Royal Melbourne, you know, like I think it was 97 or 98, and they've tied once when Tiger Woods and the Ls, they couldn't split it in the playoff. And it was very famous, Jack Nicholas and Gary Player just looked at each other, it was too dark, and they shook hands and said, OK, it's a draw, it's a tie. But uh, America had won the last time, so they got to keep it. So it was, you know... I don't know what they're going to do. It's disappointing. But uh, you're not going to talk about Cameron Smith winning a live event last week? Yeah. Well, we'd love to, mate. That wasn't wasn't bad. Just six million. Well, Well, he did say he didn't want to just go there and make up the numbers and and make the money and sign for 140 million. He wanted to play good golf, and it's good to see him win that tournament. Yeah, well, he was the number two player in the world when he made this decision, so he's a gun. He should be winning every second week, to tell you the truth, when you look at the fields um, and, and where these tournaments are played, maybe every third week. Um, I, I still don't know whether he makes $4 million extra on top of the $140 million. I don't think that is the case. We've, we've, we've spoken about this before. I think he's just on a contract to play golf and he's playing for tournaments, up for trophies, rather than extra, actually extra money in the pocket. And that's what I believe at the moment, but no one seems willing to tell us more. I think it would be, if you guys found out, I'll ask you guys, if you guys found out that the $4 million that he supposedly just won didn't actually, wasn't actual extra money, uh, does that take the shine off a win? Or is that just, you know, that's just this new brand of golf? What do you think? Yeah, the dollars, I don't think, matter at that well, level, does it? Well, I mean, where does the money go? Well, it just counts against his contract. So if it's 100, let's, let's say it's 100 million bucks. Over 100, 100 million US dollars over four years, so it's 25 million US dollars to win. Mm-hmm. He has to win over 25 million dollars worth to get extra money, which means he has to win six events. Uh, 
That's what we believe. Now, no, like I said, no one's come out and actually said, oh, I think a lot of contracts are different. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe in Cameron Smith's contract, he gets $25 million US a year to play, plus the money he makes. So maybe, you know, he's already clocked up $30 million bucks this year. I, I, look, I don't know. But uh, it'd be nice to know those details because, you know, if it is extra money that he's actually making, I mean, well, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. That that does create a little bit of shine. and But if it's not, I think a little bit of shine comes off the tournament. Yep, that's uh, the dollars and Cam Smith going hand in hand at the moment. What about Ryan Fox? Certainly not as uh, prominent in golfing circles at the moment um, on the DP World Tour. Coming up? Well... He's a very, very good player, Ryan Fox. And and you know what? Many people thought Ryan Fox should have been in this President's Cup. But guess what? He's not a PGA Tour member. Mm. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people who think, you know, the PGA Tour are only going, you know, so they lose quite a few of their players. Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, Abraham, Answer, and there's one other. Instead of those spots being filled up by the best available, and believe me, Ryan Fox, it fits right into that right right into that category. They've actually just taken PGA Tour players because the PGA Tour owns the Presidents Cup. So can you see what they've done there? To me, they're they're kind of rewarding players on the PGA Tour, but that's not the way it should be. I mean, it should be if there's a Japan, a Japanese player who's next on that list, that Japanese player should have walked into that spot. But that didn't happen. So when you talk about Fox to me, that's the immediate what I think of. He's a very, very strong player and would have been brilliant as a team member in that team because he's a good bloke as well. So, you know, look, good luck to him. He's a, look, the DP Tour stuff, fantastic. Um, and we want him to finish in the top 10 because if you finish in the top 10 on the TP uh, World Tour, you get straight onto the PGA Tour, which is a, you know, a fantastic way to do business. He wants to get on that tour at some stage because his length um, would make him money on that PGA Tour. So good luck to Ryan. Bad luck he's on the President's Cup. Um, and the PGA Tour, pull your head in a bit and let's just uh, pick at the best available players, please. Thanks for your time, Marco. Uh, we appreciate it. Strong opinions as always. Take care. Pleasure, guys. Bye. Good, good on you, Mark Allen there uh, in the world of golf. Thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Just uh, recapping some of the news uh, tonight in sport. Macedonia Park, by the way, has been confirmed as a new temporary home venue for the Glory A-League men. Yes, Tony Sage, we've spoken to him and the frustration that he's had with uh, the home ground at HBF Park and getting access and trying to find a facility that was suitable and hopefully uh, they now have somewhere where they can accommodate a crowd, the lighting is good and they can find themselves... uh a suitable home for the short term. Absolutely. I think uh, the main point here is that uh, upgrading the lighting was the key part. So essentially that obviously has been agreed to, which is important. Hopefully the state government are contributing to that. Uh, AFL Grand Final umpires have been announced. Uh, hopefully we'll have a chat to Ben Brennan Hoskins uh, or Simon Meredith, but uh, Matt Stevick we had a chat to last week. He will officiate in his ninth straight, so he will team up alongside Hoskins in his first and Meredith in his eighth, his third straight. And West Coast delisted Tom Joyce Jackson Nelson and Hugh Dixon, no surprise there. Wouldn't have thought so, no. No, and uh, just lastly, East Perth have been confirmed as the eighth side in the 
WAFLW from next season. And the Perth coach is Peter German. Yes, uh, he's been brought on, of course, two-time premiership coach at Subiaco, three-year deal. And Germo, after spending uh, a fair bit of time back in Victoria, comes back, and I get the feeling he's going to shake up the demons. And, of course, the big story that we started with tonight is that the AFL are investigating some allegations that were made in a report around the Hawthorne Football Club that have been alleged uh, in a report on the ABC. That's all we've got time for tonight. Thank you very much for your company. Russell Collette is in next with the night shift, and we'll see you again from 6 o'clock to again from 6 o'clock. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.